This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Dove. You use all the right skincare products for your face, but your body has been missing out. With new Dove Serum Body Wash, you can give your body the vitamin C glow it's been wanting, the hydration boost it's been craving, and the active skincare ingredients it deserves. It's time for your body care era. New Dove Serum Body Wash. Get Dove or get FOMO. Hello and welcome to the Radio Times podcast with me, Jane Garvey, and Britain's leading TV and film critic, Rihanna Dillon. What have we got this week? I love it when you introduce me as that. Uh, We have The Staircase with Colin Firth and Tony Collette. We've got The Dry, which is a new ITV comedy, and a documentary on Netflix called White Hot, The Rise and Fall of Abercrombie and Fitch, which was your pick. Yeah. And we also did a lovely team night out to see the new Downton Abbey movie. We did. Um, I I said afterwards I had had a, a small beverage generously supplied by the film folk that it was the best film I'd ever seen. Uh, I may, I may change my mind on that. But I've got to say, um, you know, it passed the time. I think we all had a really we lovely evening. We, we did. You, um, although I will say that you and producer Hannah don't know how to whisper at the cinema. I will say that. Well, we choose to communicate in a, in a normal, what do you mean, don't know how to whisper? I could hear like all these like loud conversations <laughs> going I, on about the characters. I was helping me. Hannah through it. <laughs> Who's this? Hannah's the one that's seen it more than either of us. Oh, maybe she was helping me. Because there, there are a few characters in Downton Abbey. I've kind of half watched it over the years, but I don't genuinely don't know who some people are. Yes. They just seem to be at every single event. Well, well, why are they there again? I've, I've never seen an episode of Downton Abbey, so I was completely in the dark. Luckily, I had you loud whispering next to me to help. Okay. <laughs> I think you're underselling what was a very pleasant evening. Also, so this week, we've got an interview with the winner of Strictly, Rose Ailing Ellis. Now, she is going to be at the BAFTAs because she is a nominee and it's BAFTA week in the Radio Times magazine this week. Um, some stars. Uh, in fact, you can pick. You can pick your TV Night of the Stars star because a lots of BAFTA nominees will grace the cover of the Radio Times out today. Yes, there's Saran Jones. Yeah, who else we've got? got? Alex Scott. We have got Tom Hiddleston, Jodie Whittaker. Oh, you can you can buy <laughs> every, names. every single edition if you're a um, a completist. Um, they're all BAFTA nominees. The BAFTA ceremony is this Sunday, the eighth. Yes, we've already had the BAFTA Craft TV Awards, which I know you didn't ask, but I presented an award at. Did you? Yeah. That was very exciting. Well, I must have been busy. And it actually was a really lovely night. And Lady Parts got, was, a, was a big winner in terms of the writing, the casting and the costumes. Um, so, yeah, I'll be rooting for them again on Sunday for the acting awards. Well, Rose Ailing Ellis has been nominated for Moment of the Year in oh. the BAFTAs. Um, and actually, just to whet your appetite, um, here's a quick clip from my chat with Rose. I asked her what it was like having an impact on young deaf children who've seen her on Strictly. There was one time I walked on the street and there was a little girl, she's about four years old, so, so cute. And she was showing me her hearing aid and she was so satisfied when I showed her my hearing aid. Nice. That's what it needs in a TV. It needs to have reputation because people don't realise when you are one of the majority, they don't realise how massive it is. 
She is brilliant. And actually, she's right. It's really important that um, people like Rose are seen doing fantastic things. Yeah, and also rightly nominated for Moment of the Year because mm. we both came in and said how much we cried all through we that. Saw it. Yeah. And I do think it's one of the most talked about bits of television comparatively to some of the other bits which are a bit possibly a bit more throwaway some of the other moments yeah I mean we should say the moment that Rose is nominated for is when she was dancing with Giovanni on Strictly and then the music stopped yeah and we entered her world briefly Mm -hmm. Um, but it was just beautiful yeah and really thought-provoking so best of luck I think she's probably going to win I think so too. Okay, that was on my whisper. You see, I've got better. Uh, now, um, I'd like to know a little more about... In a about... soundproof studio. <laughs> Very important. We would like to know more about uh, Rihanna's showbiz week, wouldn't we, everybody? But before that, uh, I want to remind everyone that the BFI and Radio Times Television Festival is returning to the South Bank in London uh, from the 20th to the 22nd of May. And best of all, uh, apart from the mega names that are going to be there, we're there recording the Radio Times podcast and we would love to see you there. That is on the Sunday afternoon. If you want to find out more and if you'd like to be there yourself, just go to bfi.org.uk slash TV fest. Um, we're not the only uh, names there, she said, slightly over-egging her own pudding. <laughs> uh, also there, we should say that there'll be a world premiere of David Attenborough's new dinosaur epic, Prehistoric Planet. I love that sort of thing, so I'll definitely be up for that. There's a panel with Ruth Wilson from the BBC's adaptation of His Dark Materials and Mary Berry... Yes, Mary Berry. Wait, the Mary Berry. Yes, is being inducted into the Radio Times Hall of Fame. Okay, now apart from the Downton Abbey screening that we did enjoy um, (laughs) the other night, anything else going? What other stars have you been mingling with this week? Well, I've been to the theatre twice since I last saw you. Um, Once to see Jerusalem which was phenomenal. Is Mark Rylance back in it? he is. It's the original, well, the main original cast are back in it, um, with Mackenzie Crook as well. And it's so funny. It's written by Jez Butterworth, who did The Ferryman, and he just has such a... He just has such a brilliant way of finding stories in tiny British communities or in The Ferryman Irish communities. Mm -hmm. Oh, God, I laughed so much. And well, I, it's a comedy. I didn't even know it was a comedy. Well, it kind of it starts as a comedy and it gets darker and darker, yeah. but I was not expecting it to be so kind of raucous. And Mark Rylance's performance, who, by the way, I just don't think is a very good screen actor. And I've always been a little bit sort of mm-hmm. wary of, of when people say that he is one of the finest actors of our time. Yeah. And then you see him on stage in Jerusalem and you think, this is why they've said okay. that. Yeah. Um, and I also saw To Kill a Mockingbird. <sighs> Which was fantastic. That's with Rafe Spall. Yes, who turns out we all kind of fancy quite a lot. Well, there we are. Th- also a theatre critic now, apparently. I was talking about you! <laughs> no, I think a lot of people um, appreciate his uh, skills. I love Rafe Spall. Well, this is Britain's leading TV podcast, but we've just strayed. Well, actually, we're going to talk cinema as well this week, but we have briefly strayed into theatre, but I think it's good for all of us. It's, it's an just... arts podcast yes, today. arts, absolutely. <laughs> arts, darling. Uh, let's crack on then. We'll, we'll do some good old-fashioned TV, first of all. This is The Staircase. It's on Sky Atlantic. It starts tomorrow, Thursday. Thursday the 5th of May at 9 o'clock. You can watch three episodes back-to-back on Sky Atlantic tomorrow. Um, Now, this is something I thought I knew about, but maybe I don't know enough. What is it about, Rihanna? It's a drama series based on the French-US Netflix documentary, which was based on the real-life incident of Cathy Peterson, who was found dead at the bottom of the stairs in her house. And the question at the time, did she fall or was she pushed by her husband, novelist Michael Peterson? I'd like to make a toast to so many better days ahead. Every day is going to be an adventure. So always stop and think, this is one of the happiest days of my life. To the Petersons. To us. Now, I want to wear your marking My wife, she had an accident. What kind of accident? She, she fell down the stairs. No, she's not breathing. There were 35 cuts and bruises and seven deep lacerations to the scalp. Here we are, a clip from The Staircase starring Tony Collette and Colin Firth. And I also, as well as the TV shows, they've already been about this. There have been several podcasts and I've certainly heard one. Mm. Um, And this is, well, I just don't, I never really know anymore whether I've got anything original to say about a did he or did he not kill her show. 
a very specific true crime, which seems yeah. to bring in a lot of and listeners and viewers. They're wildly popular. I mean, I, I admit, I've, I've listened to them myself. Yeah. What do you think of this particular one? Well, I suppose this has a little bit more weight to it because it has such big names mm. attached to it. You know, when you're when you hear Tony Collette, who, by the way, is excellent in absolutely everything. She's a great actress. I've yeah. never seen her do a bad role. I don't think. I don't think I've even no. if she's in bad things, she's she's, she's the best always thing. In the it. best thing. <laughs> the best thing in a in a bad thing. Yes. Um. You know, she can do comedy. She was in Emma. Um. She can do comedy. She can do horror. Hereditary. Terrify. Her role terrified a lot of people. Um. And as Kathy, the the trouble I think with this is that because. She has a bit of a thankless task as Kathy because we do, although we see plenty of flashbacks and we see Kathy in the few months leading up to her death, she also, they in this particular series, they do this thing where they reenact all the possible ways that Kathy could have died, yes. which is as gruesome and explicit as it sounds. So there are some really quite difficult to watch moments of Tony Collette writhing around in a pool of blood, mm. and that's putting it very mildly. And I, I think you, you've, you've actually come to the thing that really challenges me the most. I just wonder why I'd want to watch that. Mm. And I think... The answer is that I've I'm fed up with it now and yeah. I don't want to watch it anymore. Right. I think a lot of people are still kind of fascinated by it in the same way because I guess there has to be some sort of removal. There has to be a bit of distance. So we're kind of watching this as a fictionalized version. So we can, san- a sanitized version. Yeah. Of something that for too many people is reality. Yes. It is. But it but you're right, people do love it. People will always go and watch crime dramas oh, yeah, of this yeah. especially of this caliber, I think. Um it's interesting the way that they sort of thread the idea throughout that the house itself is dangerous, that there are many ways in which she could have hurt herself yeah. or killed herself. Including the outlandish theory involving an owl. Yeah. I mean that's just Deeply peculiar. Um, And also there are bats involved in this one, I think. Um, What did you think about Colin Firth playing against type? Because we see him playing stuffy British gentlemen. Mm. We've seen that time and again. And I love Colin Firth, by the way. This is definitely coming from a place of love. The The only time we've seen him being really... Well, not the only time, but the main time I can remember we've seen him be really creepy is was in that film with Nicole Kidman and Mark Strong, Before I Go to Sleep. Did oh, you ever yes, see that? I did see that. Yeah, yeah. that was horrid. I, I actually, I'm ill at, it's funny you mentioned that, I'm ill at ease with Colin Firth being creepy. Yeah. And this isn't just because I've, I'm sure I've said before that I've queued up behind him in a pet shop. You definitely have mentioned that. It's a really anecdote. He did seem a lovely bloke um, in that context. So I, I really... I. And I don't know either about how I feel. I feel almost angry that he's playing an American. (laughs) I'm rather sort of protective of him and think, no, no, Colin, no, you're not American, you're British. And um, isn't that weird that you can just be cross with someone for playing an evil character? I'm sure he was very well remunerated, which is quite possibly why he's done it. Um, It must just be a completely different thing for him to do and a a different world to inhabit, another kind of area of research. I guess for him as an actor, it's a completely new challenge. I think they're a great job duo, Tony yeah. Collett and Colin Firth, and I would love to see them doing something else together. Just it's, not this. Just not this. <laughs> I, I, I just feel that although this is very, um, it's a very well-made thing of its type, mm-hmm. um, it's stylish if you like this yeah. sort of thing, um, clearly well-acted throughout. I couldn't pick up on anybody who I didn't think was any good. Mm-hmm. I've just had enough. Yeah, that's fair enough. I loved the forensic aspect, actually. that's Forensics is something I've always been really interested in right. from waking the dead years ago watching that at home with my family and just finding that all rounded the day off a trip <laughs> loved it um it's you know and this is such a detailed investigation because we have so much research there you know like you say we've got the documentaries we've got the podcast we have all of the photos and so they are able to reenact that almost shot for shot. And of course, you might go back and think, well, why can't I just watch the documentary? Which is, I did go back and watch a couple of episodes of The Doc. Did you? Which I hadn't seen before. This story was not known to me particularly. Oh, wasn't it? But I do think the casting is fantastic. So you have Michael Stuhlberg from, who is so good in Call Me By Your Name, who plays the lawyer, um, who plays Michael Peterson's lawyer, Lawyer, the defence lawyer. Um, Sophie Turner from Game of Thrones, who's giving a, a much more subtle 
performance. Dane DeHaan, Odessa Young, who... I feel like she's not a household name yet, but she should be. She was in Mothering Sunday, which I saw quite recently, and which is, she's just a really gorgeous actress. You want to watch out for someone like Odessa Young. You could not write this kind of story. And he, Michael Peterson, was a writer. Yeah. Which is in itself quite a successful thriller writer. Yes. There's a lot to this, and I wonder how many people will watch it not having a clue about any of the backstory. Mm -hmm. And in a way... Perhaps I wish I hadn't known the backstory. I might have approached it with a more open mind. Yes. But I don't think that alters my general opinion, which is enough of this now. Right. Thank you. Over and out. (laughs) It's The Staircase. It's available to watch on Sky Atlantic starting tomorrow, uh, Thursday the 5th of May at 9 o'clock. Three episodes back to back for you on Sky Atlantic. And of course, I'm I'm going to contradict myself because I'll I'll rave about a crime show um, featuring... Yeah, this just wasn't for you. This one just wasn't for me. Just just watch. Watch this space. I think it was... I think I'm going to keep watching it. I think I'm really quite intrigued by how it's all going to play out. Well, you're, you're Karen watching it. I have very firmly checked out... Next up then, a documentary that was my choice, although about an hour in, I slightly regretted it. Um, It's White Hot, The Rise and Fall of Abercrombie and Fitch. It's available to watch on Netflix right now. And I picked this because Abercrombie and Fitch were big. They were a big thing in my kids' lives some time ago. Mm. And then Hollister kind of took over and other, I gather they're also owned by Abercrombie and Fitch, by the way. That was a big shock for you. That's capitalism for you. Um, But so Abercrombie and Fitch, for a time, were a very, very very big thing. But this documentary takes you behind the scenes and reveals a rather grimy world and, frankly, racism at the heart of much of the way that Mm. Abercrombie & Fitch uh, ran itself. Here's a clip then from White Hot, The Rise and Fall of Abercrombie & Fitch. You know that you're getting close. When you're hit with the smell of Abercrombie. The nightclub beats and bare-chested guys. It was such a pop culture phenomenon. It was an all-American look. I considered myself an all-American girl. <laughs> oh, make me over. Abercrombie and Fitch said, we go after the cool kids. If they didn't look a certain way, they didn't belong in our clothing. Are we exclusionary? Absolutely. The main problem with the documentary for me, Rihanna, was that it was about half an hour too long. <laughs> it did take a really long time yeah. to get to the crux well, of it. Well, the film. or I would say it made its point and then continued to make its point um, fairly relentlessly for quite some time. Yeah. But that isn't to say that this isn't an important issue because I do think it is. Abercrombie and Fitch are no longer as big as they used to be, although they are very much still around. Yeah, they are. Yeah, so it is. It's if you don't know Abercrombie and Fitch, it's that kind of preppy clothes shop that the dark one, the one that stank of perfume and cologne every time you walked in and out or just walked past. In fact. I once walked into Hollister, which is another very similar store yeah. owned by A&F, and I thought there'd been a power cut. <laughs> I, honestly, I actually went up to an assistant and said, look, are you, is there a problem? Because they're fine outside. Were well, you going to go and help? Let me get your tools out. Just that sort of person. Um, So just. Oh my God, that's hilarious. I bet you're like my dad. I bet you get your torch out in dark restaurants to look at the menu as well. Uh, Never mind if I do. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. I use my mobile phone torch, by the way. Yeah. I don't carry a battery. Right, let's get back to the important issue of White Hot, the rise and fall of Abercrombie and Fitch. It was too long, wasn't it, this? It was too long. It was, much like the queues that often yeah. <laughs> were decorated outside it. I don't know. It, it did take a really long time. I It just felt like it kept building and building when all we wanted to do was see the crash. And when we did see the crash, that was really quite interesting because, as you say, racism was definitely at the at the heart of the sort of hiring aspect so they would they would just hire people who they thought were good looking well, and was, all american all american this i think that's such an interesting phrase isn't it all american and what they mean is white all yeah. american and the clothes as it, as is made clear in this in this doc the clothes were nothing special no they were actually a bit like the gap a yeah. bit like Old Navy, another of those American yeah. um, megastore fashion chains. There wasn't anything special, but the marketing was basically based around 
more or less semi-naked, very ripped young male torsos. Yeah. Which we were meant to be appalled by, the amount of um, young male torsos we were shown. (laughs) But we were shown them again and again and again during this documentary. Did you find you were less and less appalled by every single one? I did keep thinking, you've shown me these now, I don't need to see them again. Um, And that was another reason why this was just way too, way too long. And there was so much misogyny at the heart of it as well. And Michael Jeffries, who was the CEO yeah. at the time when all of this was going on, he was the one that sort of brought it into this period. Mm. Um, but he he is an odd man. I think odd is a, quite a generous adjective because <laughs> uh, there are lots of good odd people around. He was never he's never been accused of of any um, misdemeanors. No, and I think it's also fair to say that he was probably relatively well troubled. Um, he he was his obsession with all American youth led to him having some questionable cosmetic work. I mean, I'm not one to judge people on their looks ever, well. and I do. I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't, you know, I, I think it's a cheap shot often. Yeah. But when you are so obsessed with the people that you, that work for you being no, beautiful, it's, it's, it's un- to then look like that yourself just seems so incredibly ironic. <sighs> I mean, do Google him. Um, and there's um, there are also these kind of really fascinating tidbits in there about how when he went on a private jet, or he they had this whole manual of how they had to speak to him. Yeah. So it's partly about the company and it's partly about this personality who most of us don't know from Adam. No. Um, but I did I did find that sort of oddity, the way that people are able, I think particularly in America, are able to become these, I don't know, what would you call them? Like they're put on pedestals, they're oh, untouchable, yeah. they're Well, I think it happens it happens in Britain too. It does, but this has so much more of that sheen, I suppose. I think well, if you're making money in America, they don't ask that many questions, no. do they? Um and but you could also, I'm sure, make this make the same claim about the UK. Um What did you think about the lawsuit stuff? Because well, I th- that that's that is a kind of big part of Yeah, so a whole group of, of former employees got together, didn't they, and took on Or not even former employees, ones that were Oh yeah, couldn't get work. Couldn't there. even get work because or, of what they looked like. Once they did get work there, were put on un- unattractive shifts. Um, put in the back room. Put in the back doing late nights. They just weren't pretty enough, or they weren't or white, white enough, enough yes. to work for Abercrombie and Fitch. Yeah. Um, and in the end, I think I'm right in saying Abercrombie and Fitch paid out, but they didn't settled. admit any liability. They, so settled, they settled, and yeah. in their, I think, in part of that settlement, they had to... Oh, and then they also went to a grand jury. They had several things, basically, and part of it was to have to have a diversity officer come on mm. and to change things from the inside, which he seemed to... This guy was interviewed, and he seemed to be quite proud of what he'd achieved, but perhaps it didn't have as far-reaching an effect as he thought. No, I mean, there, there was a, a t- couple of T-shirts that the company had, for reasons I simply cannot begin to understand, approved. Sheer stupidity, oh, just stupidity. and racism. Deeply and just, unpleasant. And also ignorance, the fact that it got through so many... That's what I mean. Yeah. And this isn't that long ago. No, this is what was so wild about it, because you sort of think, well, this could have taken place easily in the 70s. Actually, this was the mid-noughties. Yeah. Um, they were, though, troublingly, really successful. Yeah. People bought in to this literally bought into this all-American idea. Yeah. So if you don't know anything about this world, but maybe your your kids are into fashion or you are, um, I think this is this is an interesting watch. It is. It's just, you know, half an hour longer than it needs yes. to be. Yes. I think especially if you remember walking past the stores that always had the naked men outside, half-naked men. Yeah. And, in, and also in if flip you... In flip-flops from memory. Yes, in flip-flops. And if you kind of went and had your photo taken with them. I think this will be an interesting watch for you. Might make you reassess some of your decision making. But actually, as a parent, I feel that I was lulled into this. Yeah, I? my mum definitely was. Yeah. More than me. Yeah, well, there we go. I really must have a word with your mother. Um, <laughs> She'll be at the Radio Times Fest. You oh, can then. Along with all the Britain's best people. Don't forget that. 22nd of May, if you want to be there to watch the Radio Times podcast being recorded. Okay, it's White Hot, The Rise and Fall of Abercrombie and Fitch. It's available on Netflix right now. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is your typical radio ad while eating a crunch bar. This is automatic of Auto's used cars. This weekend only, we're having a whale. Bring the kids. See for yourself. It is huge. Gonna make a big splash. No other dealer can say they have a whale like this. When things sound dull, turn up the fun with Crunch. Um, Coming up, we'll have reviews of the ITV comedy The Dry. First, let's uh, get stuck into all things BAFTAs. Now, give us a short summary of what and who we need to look out for in this year's ceremony. It's on the 8th of May. It's a really tricky one. I don't know if I should pick people to talk about that I want to win or that I think will win. But let's start with, well, Mayor of Easttown. Yes. Which everybody loved so much. Kate Winslet is nominated for uh, TV BAFTA for that lead role as mayor. And just the effect, the knock-on effect that I think Mayor of Easttown has had on TV since it came out. Everything wants to be Mayor of Easttown now. Uh, Rightly so, because it was so good. And it did do crime in a different Yeah, that's what you see. I'm now wondering whether I'm about to contradict myself, as I predicted, because I did watch this. But it wasn't true crime. It wasn't true crime. I I didn't feel it was all that gory. No. It was about the quality of the acting and the quality of the script. And also there was a bizarre kerfuffle with people sort of suddenly saying, isn't Kate Winslet a good actress? Well, yes, (laughs) actually. Another one is Amari Douglas for It's a Sin who is nominated in the Best Supporting Actor category, although I will be surprised if Matthew McFadden doesn't get it for Succession. But Amari Douglas is really lovely. Who, did, was, who, did, who did he play? So Amari Douglas plays Roscoe Babatunde in It's a Sin. So you might remember his kind of fantastic coming into his house with his family, his very traditional family, dressed up in... A great outfit for the great one of the great the great series, but that was one of the standout series. Yes, um, and he was actually on my table at the uh, TV Baftas, the, the Craft Awards, the other night. Uh, he's he was so lovely, and also it was it it feels like it's a sin has sort of been in our thoughts in our brains for years, and actually it only came out just over a year ago, I think. Right. There was another guy, Tim Renko, who is the male comedy, he's been nominated for male comedy lead for Jerk, which is a really cringe comedy about a guy with cerebral palsy who is a massive a-hole to boot. <laughs> and it's so He writes it, he stars in it, yeah. he's incredibly funny and it's really dark. I don't think a lot of people have seen Jerk. I well, know I haven't. There's In My Skin, which has been nominated for best drama series which is set in wales it's about a young girl who is sort of like a carer for her mother she lies a lot i have seen this yeah and i thought this was really unusual and quite brave and and rather brilliant actually i I really rated this it's sort of one of those hidden gems which hopefully won't be very hit yeah you know not as hidden perhaps as some others but i don't feel like enough people have talked about um, in my skin. Kaylee Llewellyn, who wrote it, has already won a BAFTA for, I think, best writing in a drama series. Landscapers. Yes. You were less fussed about Landscapers. I really, I really was. Remind me. <laughs> Olivia Coleman, David Hewlis. Oh, on the run. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. They killed they killed her parents and buried them in yeah. the in the back garden. Yes, they were on the run. They were. But no one knew that. No. They, <laughs> they didn't know that they'd committed a crime <laughs> until well, they were living in rural France yeah. and eking out a rather pitiful exit. Yes. Which okay. on the surface does sound like, you know, rather been there, seen that, whatever. Yeah. But actually the way that this was written and directed was so interesting. Well, finally, I think for single documentary, Grenfell. The Untold Story, which is on Channel 4, if you haven't seen it. Just an incredibly moving, upsetting, incredible documentary um, from a filmmaker who was in Grenfell before the fire and had filmed all of these interviews with the residents there, many of whom did die. So they then, 
you know, it took them a while because I think they wanted to be respectful, but they then released it to show the sort of the hopes and dreams of these people who didn't get to live them out. So we can find that on... Channel 4. On Channel 4, on all four. And it's called... Grenfell, The Untold Story. Okay, that's a a definite recommendation. As promised then, I have talked to Rose Ailing Ellis, her off Strictly, ahead of her BAFTA nomination. She, of course, won Strictly. She wasn't just on it, she won it at Christmas. Now, Rose has been deaf since birth and she is a British Sign Language user. That's an extraordinary feat, really, to be such a stunning dancer when, of course, (laughs) can't really say this often enough, she can't hear the music. She just can't hear it. She's known for playing Frankie Lewis in EastEnders and it was really lovely to talk to her actually. Here she is. Has it actually dawned on you yet just what an impact you had in 2021? Funny enough you asked that because if when I finish the tour and I come home I start to read my letters, start to look at some of the commentary. Because you're so in a bubble, you're every day taking one day at a time. I didn't realise how much of an impact. Like I had people saying that if their child was born and it was death they wouldn't be so disheartened about it. They actually would be quite joyful about it. I thought, oh, my God. Also for my deaf friend, they said that they go to a coffee shop and I order a tree and people are saying, thank you, signing back to them. Right. Okay. That didn't happen before. That People make an effort. People are excited about learning salam rather than feel intimidated by it. Amazing. <laughs> no, so what you're saying, so people who would never have expected it will be greeted in a coffee shop with someone saying thank you using British Sign Language. Yeah, yeah that's that's incredible. Yeah. 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 So how did it happen when you got the offer to do Strictly? What was your immediate reaction? My immediate reaction, I'm a bit terrified because um, every time I have a new job, you have to do all also, be aware that I'm meeting people who've never met a deaf person before. So I told them I would love you to have a deaf awareness course that everyone can have a basic understanding. And the way it's been filmed, because I have interpreter and need them in the room, they make my job so much easier. I just turn up to work, do the same as how a hearing person would turn up to work. And I have the best time ever on the show. And I'm so, so proud of it. And I'm so proud of them for taking everything on board. It's so why it became so successful and it works so well. It's because they listen. Yeah. And that's what society needs to do, listen, and it, it it's brilliant, you know what I mean? And when you started on EastEnders, which was about a year ago, were they as accommodating? Did they make the same arrangements for you? Yeah. So they have this video created, so every time new people come in, they have to watch a video before working with me. Right. All the cast, the actor, they started to pick up a bit of standing. They're keen to learn and they're keen to listen to me and I feel part of the family, basically. And as the weeks went by on Strictly and you got better and better and people kept voting for you, did you enjoy that or did it ever become a responsibility because you were thinking, I could really make a point here on behalf of the deaf community and I don't want to let anybody down? Yes, I do feel responsible because there's nobody ever done this before who is deaf. So I feel like I want to portray us in a good light. When I feel like I achieved that, I became so much more relaxed. So I got to the point where, do you know what? I enjoy what I'm doing and yet it educates people. That's the best place to be. Now, there are all sorts of stories about the fun that people have behind the scenes on Strictly. What was your favourite moment in my dressing room, I decided to set up a swim ball tennis and then I started having a competition and Giovanni was really bad at it and he was so frustrated about it. It was brilliant. <laughs> and the Strictly Tour, which I think has just finished, did you get a great reaction from the public at those shows? What was that like? Yeah. When you're on the live TV, there's no audience there. But on the tour, you see the live audience and that's where it impacted me. Uh, I feel... So much love and support. Uh, it does presumably change your physique, doesn't it, dancing like this yes, week after week? Does. So are you a fitter and stronger person now? Yeah, it's the, I, the fittest I've ever been in my life, really. I feel so muscly. It's great. <laughs> and obviously, I think, I think obviously, you're going to keep on dancing forever. Oh, yes, for sure. I don't know how, I don't know, but I'm a fan away. Giovanni is a really good friend of yours, clearly. Are you still in touch with him? 
A hundred percent. We're still in touch. We have FaceTime today this morning. Yeah. And what's he up to? Um, he's on his own tour at the moment. So he's really, really busy rehearsal. There's no doubt that your dance with Giovanni when the music went quiet and just for a small amount of time, viewers at home entered your world was very, very yeah. special. Whose idea was that? It was Giovanni's idea. And he asked me if he can do that. And then I said, yes, 100% do it. But it has to be joyful. It has to be shown in a way that there's nothing wrong with being in a silent moment. He went off and worked on it. He worked so hard on it. And there was time where he wasn't happy with it because it didn't come across happy. And he's like, no, we changed it. It has to be in a way that Roe is happy with. And it worked really well. So the impact that you've had, particularly on young children who will have seen you, who perhaps are deaf themselves, will have seen you performing at that level, that must be a really special thing to you. Yes. What is bigger is a reputation. When I was young, I didn't have anybody deaf that's like me on TV to look up to. The fact that children have that now, I know how massive it is for them. The one time I walked on the street and there was a little girl, she's about four years old, so, so cute. She had a T-shirt with a finger spelling um, picture on it and she was showing me her hearing and she was so satisfied when I showed her my hearing right. That's what it needs in a TV. It needs that reputation because people don't realise when you are one of the majority, they don't realise how massive it is. How how was it then for you growing up? Were there times when you felt really isolated? I do remember one time, which my mum just told me recently, quite sweet. We were at the O2. I was yeah. about five years old. And they have gymnastics or dancing. And they all have earplugs in. And I asked my mum, are they deaf? She lied. And she said, yeah, they are deaf. And I was so amazed that they were deaf people doing gymnastics. But my mum was aware. But she always made me feel not alone. As I got older and I met more people in the deaf community, there are so many of the deaf generation that done so many incredible jobs. But yet, no one told me about that because no one knew about it. Where do you see yourself? I know it's a bit of a hackneyed question in some ways, but where do you see yourself in five or ten years, Rose? What will you be doing? I see now? myself in five or ten years. <laughs> do you know what? I see myself making change, I think. Which I'm doing now, but I want more. I think I want to change a bit more too. <laughs> so you're not going to stop the campaign? I see myself carry on acting. I want to carry on acting. I, kind of, I want to make a different programme. I want to um, spread more awareness, editate. That, I think that's what I'll be doing. That is Rose Ailing Ellis um, talking to me about um, well, everything she's achieved over the last year or so. It's amazing, really. This time last year, because I don't watch EastEnders, I must admit, I don't think I'd have... I don't think I knew her name. And now there can't no. be many people in Britain who don't know yeah. Rose Ailing Ellis, who's still in EastEnders, by the way, playing um, Frankie Lewis. And we just wish her all the best. I hope she is able to carry on with all the campaigning and the dancing. I think from that, she definitely will be. Yeah, no, I'm sure she will be. OK, um, now this is um, an interesting show, this. The Dry, it's out on BritBox from tomorrow, Thursday the 5th of May. Um, this is a, a comedy, isn't it, Rihanna? But there's, there's sort of more to it than that, really. Yeah, it's kind of like a comedy, drama or a... Dramedy. I hate that. I, honestly, is, I do hate I, that. I wanted to make you say that. <laughs> Sometimes you have to say dramedy because this sort of is one. It is. Um, about a young woman who comes back to Dublin after her grandmother dies, having been living in London. Living the life of what they clearly recognise to be a Londoner, which is gluten-free, no dairy, Pilates every day. Oh, this reminds me of someone. <laughs> That's definitely not me. Except that this is the first time that she's been sober in her hometown. She's a recovering alcoholic and her family are battling, to say the least, to understand what she's going through. Are you in charge? No, no one's in charge. I'm chairing the meeting. Where's the stick? What stick? Don't you have to hold a stick or something and whoever has it gets to talk? No. They do it on TV. Well, we're not doing that. So how do we know what to speak? You just speak. Why don't you just tell us what's on your mind, Liv? Hmm? It's not the point. This isn't about me. (laughs) That's a first. Look, I know you all think this is a bit... Narcissistic. Uncomfortable. And to be honest, it's supposed to be. Telling the truth is uncomfortable, but it can also be very healing. 
Well, that's Siobhan, the central character in The Dry, out on BritBox from tomorrow, trying to get her family on side because she doesn't want to start drinking again. But they don't make it easy for her, do they? No, (laughs) they really don't. It did make me sort of reassess or think about at least how we, like my relationship to alcohol, and this makes it sound really heavy. This is, as we said, a comedy. But it does make me think about how much of so many of our lives are based around drinking, the vernacular, the social side of it. Like, oh, let's go for a drink or oh God, I've got to like, you know, build in my hangover tomorrow morning, that sort of stuff. Yeah. And as soon as you sort of see it from her perspective, somebody who lived that very wild life and is now having to completely pull back and realise that her whole family, her social circle, that's everything was sort of, sen- not even centred, but it was just so in the fabric just of their lives. Yeah. Their lives. yeah. Um, it makes it incredibly difficult just to exist in these circles anymore. And I don't think, we're not saying that this is a, a bit necessarily an Irish issue only. It certainly isn't. I mean, it's, no. it's virtually impossible, I would say, to navigate your way through a traditional British social life. Yeah. Not if you can't drink for religious reasons or if you don't drink for religious reasons, but if you just are a light even a light drinker <laughs> which is, you profess to be which i prefer i am <laughs> that, can, that can sometimes be difficult to be someone who absolutely mustn't drink because they have an addiction and yeah. they're coming to terms with that addiction you do need an enormous amount of help yeah. and the fabric of our social life does not give you any help no, at all it really doesn't and it is fascinating it, it kind of makes you feel to blame almost yes yeah yeah and you know it was really it was really cleverly done that actually because it's it does it in a very entertaining way yeah i mean there is a a romantic interest there is a love interest oh god i was really so he came he kind of rocked onto the scene he's got a hat he's he's very loose (laughs) he's clearly unsuitable and you think oh okay and then he opens his mouth and like you know the first kind of the first things he does and says you're like oh god oh god run for the hills he's not good for you love he is isn't. Come on, Siobhan, you can get away from him. Um, he says great things like, not great, obviously, you're more fun when you're drinking. Oh, yeah. And that is a line that I expect a lot of people who are yeah. desperate ne- never to drink again have heard far yes. too many times. In a way, this is a plea for understanding from those of us who are fortunate enough not to have an alcohol addiction. Yeah. I, I enjoyed this, though, and I, I thought it made some some powerful points and I thought that there were... She goes to a couple of AA meetings to yeah. sort of try them out and, and in, at one meeting she meets one of her old teachers yeah. and that's a very funny scene. It's great. And also the, that sort of AA meeting, you I almost thought the, the punchline was going to be that it was actually like a sort of Christian Bible class mm. or something mm. like that. But it is, it is, in fact, an AA meeting, but it is very funny and very well observed, yeah. I think. And the yeah, I will keep watching it as well. It's eight parts. The the episodes are only half an hour long. Yeah. Um, but I do feel like they make some really impactful scenes within those half hours. It's not a sort of throwaway sitcom. It's the dry, it's add-on Britbox from tomorrow, uh, Thursday, the 5th of May. Another sign that Britbox are making some interesting stuff. They are. Downton Abbey, there is a new film. It's out now. It's called Downton Abbey, The New Era, I think. Is that right? Yes. Um, And it's the second blockbuster feature film uh, filled with all our favourites from um, the lovely Crawley family and their various hangers-on. Here is a clip from the trailer. Have you told them, Lady Grantham? She's told us nothing. Do sit down. I've come into possession of a villa in the south of France. What villa? (laughs) Start at the beginning. Years ago, before you were born, I met a man. They spend a few days together and he gives her a house. You never thought to turn it down? Do I look as if I'd turned down a villa in the south of France? Telephone call for you, my lord. Mr. Barber is a producer and director. He wants to make a film at Downton. A moving picture at Downton. But the big old stars, famous ones. I think it's a horrible idea. Actresses plastered in makeup and actors just plastered. Actors. Actors uh, just plastered. Yes. Well, that gives you an idea of what awaits you should you seek out this feast for the eye. Do you know what? I wonder whether this actually just cannot be criticised. <laughs> Not because. Oh, there I'll is... give it a good go, Jane. Oh, really? Don't worry okay. about it. Or whether it's just that you'll pay your money, you take your choice, and if you just want to be quite entertained for a couple of hours, this more than does the business for me. But you go on, get, no, do you get know stuck what? in. No, you're absolutely right. I think it is all very well to sneer at something like Downton Abbey. But actually, these characters are 
really love. They are much loved. And for a reason, they are fun company to be in. It's also gentle and genteel. And the dresses are lovely. It is, it's kind of escapism at its quietest, isn't it? It's, it doesn't really immerse you wholly into like, I don't know, the the rousing, raucous world of Bridgerton, for example. No. And I think because of Bridgerton, people might be slightly less enamoured by Downton Abbey. Oh, I think it'll still have its... It'll reach its target audience. Yes, I'm sure it will. I don't think it's going to bring anyone new, necessarily, no. to the cinemas, which is absolutely fair enough. Um, but, for example, it's just very tame. There is a, 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 a gay subplot starring... Barrow, Barrow, yes. Thank you. Never sit down to before. Barrow and down and uh, and Dominic West, who plays the actor, who plays the actor. All right. Well, just in case anyone's baffled, various parts. <laughs> Who's going to be baffled by Downton? <laughs> well, uh, various parts of the cast go to the south of France because Maggie Smith's character, the Dowager Duchess, has been left this villa. I mean, it's, how scandalous! It's by a, by, a, by an old flame yeah. as well. She can't travel because she is elderly. So half the rest of the cast go, leaving Michelle Dockery's Lady Mary in charge of Downton Abbey, where a moving picture is to be filmed, and it's directed by Hugh Fancy Dancy. Yeah, and there's a flirtation between the two of them, isn't there? It's just it just feels a little bit scared of doing anything remotely scandalous this this film and i think that was my main issue with it but you know it wouldn't take any storyline too far just in case it sort of teeters on the edge and then just comes back very quickly um which was it's just kind of frustrating it might work for a tv series i don't know i don't think it would necessarily i do feel like you need to hit those big points that I, you feel you you almost feel a little bit cheated coming away when nothing has actually well, happened can I just in say, a film in its defense sure um that that you mentioned the subplot of of barrow who is yes. the, the young um, gay footman who well, everyone seems to know about who well, is yeah. out yes and um, and has he has had a journey throughout the yeah. series um, and in fact in the very very first episode because I wonder whether my mind was playing tricks on me I went back and re-watched it oh did you such is my dedication and he has a kiss in that very first episode interesting so um, this is and I haven't seen all of Downton but I've certainly seen the first series and I, I think actually it's it sort of com- he completes his journey in this film. Well, so that's the trouble. He didn't complete it. Maybe that was my issue. Okay, well, I don't know what you were expecting to see. I don't know. I think they were aiming for a family-friendly film, okay? And that's what they've created. I'm sending my mum and dad to see this. I don't want to sound like I'm being carping a snooty, though, because although I suspect this is rather a snooty film in all sorts of ways, it was just very entertaining. I mean, if you, if you don't want to have your mind stretched by anything, if the whole, if the contemporary world, and I wouldn't blame anyone for feeling this at the moment is just too much yes just park yourself in front of this yes get a big bag of not a single person of color to be seen how lovely well yeah and you but that's a really good point you see and that's why you're uh, yeah i'm glad you said that because it's true well (laughs) no actually no there are because there's a band oh there's a jazz band yeah from the 1920s if you want to see a really good series about a jazz band from the 1920s watch dancing on the edge because it's brilliant that's enough of Downton, I think. Are you a Downton Abbey super fan? Let us know. Podcast at radiotimes.com and tell us why you love it so much. All right. Um, it's got to be time for the Regal Quiz of the Week. Right, all the way from Darlington, that fanfare man. Yeah, it really. Okay. Um, in this quiz, I get some TV clues from Rihanna and some general knowledge clues as well. And it helps me in a sort of vague way to determine the year that she's talking about. Yes. So your first clue is that BBC Two debuts much loved comedian Victoria Wood as seen on TV. This is from the beginning stand up section of her show. And this bit, Victoria is describing going to the local radio station to plug her show. I said, um, what's your presenter like? Because I'm feeling a bit nervous. She said, oh, Janice is marvellous. She was just promoted from traffic this morning. I thought, <laughs> so I get in the studio, and this old Janice is in a worse state than me, like, really tense. In fact, she's got two leads coming from her earrings, and they're running the ceiling fan off her. <laughs> she says, um, you're road safety, are you? I said, no, I'm Victoria Wood. I'm here to play the piano. She said, oh, God, oh, God, God, we haven't got a piano. Barbara, where's my tissues? I said, look, I love Blue Peter, but even I can't make a piano out of a box of tissues. <laughs> 
I thought I knew everything. I've never heard that clip before. As a former local radio presenter, I'm horrified by that, but never mind. You must go back to this year to find it. Oh, she's a genius, Victoria Wood. So your second clue is US detective drama Miami Vice makes its British television debut on BBC One a year after its US release. So it ran for six years and featured a number of stars before they were famous, including Bruce Willis, Julia Roberts, Ben Stiller, Benicio Del Toro and Helena Bonham Carter. In this clip, Crockett and Tubbs are posing as drug dealers. Now let me see here. The deal was that we were supposed to meet and exchange Halliburton's. Looks like to me you boys are a little light. The deal was 100,000 US for five keys of our best crystal rock. What do you care if it's in his hands or on his waist? I want to see his hands at all times. Frisking your babysitter is my idea of recreational therapy. Our final clue with a clip is Murder, She Wrote premiered on ITV this year. Or me. <laughs> also a year after it came out in the US. And it starred Angela Lansbury as Jessica Fletcher, an amateur detective. In this clip, you'll be amazed to hear Jessica is on the scene when something fishy happens. <laughs> All right, everybody, enjoy your chowder now. But don't forget to save plenty of room for the lobsters. How's everything going? Oh, Elmo seems to be behaving himself. His sister Flo is a pain in the gluteus maximus. Won't even let her husband drink his ginger ale in peace. <laughs> now what? What happened? It's the fish. They've been poisoned. You know what? I, I sometimes do feel I've just been alive a very, very long time. That sounds like it could be from the 1920s. That The music cues really are something else. OK, um, that's really challenging. But um, can I say, I want to predict this is some time ago. I would be right there, wouldn't uh, I? I mean, it wasn't last year. I'll no. put it like that. OK, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 20th century. 1992. I think you need a couple more clues. Go on. Gorbachev. Becomes Soviet leader. 1986. It's 1986. So close. 1985. Oh, gosh. Oh, that's okay, because that was an educated wrong answer. Yes, as opposed to your first one, which was just wrong. Just tripe. Yeah, okay. Um, you can, <laughs> I hope you're playing along at home. If you have anything to throw into our heady mix here, it's podcast at radiotimes.com. And as we've said, the Radio Times is out today, Wednesday. And this week, you can choose your star. You can choose your BAFTA nominee on the covers, the glossy covers of this week's Radio Times. So if you want to make sure, by the way, that you can get your uh, Radio Times, you can subscribe by going to buysubscriptions.com slash Radio Times. If you want a full list of the shows we've talked about today and where to find them, you can go to the episode notes wherever you get your podcast. Do follow to get episodes as soon as they drop and importantly, tell everyone you know who likes TV and film that this is the place to get the hot tips on what's worth watching. And if you still want more, don't forget Smart TV. It's the weekly bite-sized podcast which brings you the best of what to watch in 10 minutes or so, hosted by Radio Times TV expert David Butcher. The Radio Times podcast is produced by Something Else and it's for Immediate Media. Have a very good week. Have a BAFTA award-winning week. (laughs) 